Roman Vasilenko, the Deputy Foreign Minister of uh, Kazakhstan, uh, thank you for meeting us. Thank you. Uh, the first question will be about, of course, in uh, Europe uh, for the last uh, year and a half, there's been much of tension of Russia's war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, uh, it's something that Kazakhstan is following, following as well. Uh, what is Kazakhstan's position uh, on the war in Ukraine? Well, Kazakhstan's position has uh, always been that uh, we stand for peaceful resolution of conflicts, we stand for the respect of the United Nations Charter and its principles, including territorial integrity of all states, including Ukraine. And uh, our president has made that position clear publicly and uh, several times, including more recently during the visit by German federal president uh, Frank-Walter Steinmeier to Astana. Uh, we uh, have offered ourselves as mediators uh, if our services are called for and required by the two sides. Uh, but we, for now, uh, can only call for the cessation of hostilities, cessation of fire, and the return to the uh, negotiations and to the diplomatic resolution of this uh, conflict based on the UN Charter. Is it fair to say you hold a neutral position on this issue? Well, um, perhaps yeah, you can say that. Uh, we, we are not party to this conflict, of course, uh, but of course we are uh, closely connected to Russia, we are closely connected to Ukraine. These are the two countries with which we held, have held uh, close ties, have maintained close ties for many, many decades, even after the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Uh, so. Um, we cannot stay indifferent. Yeah, you can say we are neutral, but we are not indifferent. And of course, uh, in a country that is so closely connected economically uh, and politically to Russia, so closely connected uh, to Ukraine, you cannot uh, stay uh, uh, indifferent to this tragedy that is unfolding. And um, uh, well. Uh, Again, Kazakhstan has not stayed silent. Uh, we have made our position clear. We have tried to do our best in these circumstances, but uh, uh, of course we are limited in what we can do. Now, uh, Kazakhstan and Russia shares the second largest, uh, longest border in the world, uh, bar uh, US and Canada's border. Um, and uh, you've been, as you mentioned, partners, strategic partners with Russia in different formats, mm. security and economically. Uh, still, there's been some um, uh, aggressive rhetoric from certain circles in Russia towards Kazakhstan. Uh, do you feel uh, threatened and, or safe? Mm. Do you feel safe uh, given the Yes, we feel safe. Kazakhstan feels safe and our relations with Russia indeed go back centuries and hopefully they will continue to develop in the future uh, in a productive way. Uh, Kazakhstan has signed about 300 various agreements and treaties with, with Russia, including uh, the Treaty on Friendship and Mutual Assistance from 1992 and a treaty on the cooperation and strategic partnership uh, in the 21st century, which was signed in 2012. Uh, Kazakhstan and Russia signed uh, the border treaty, uh, which delimits our border. Indeed, it's the border that uh, is uh, covering 7,500 kilometers, and it's the longest continuous land border between the two countries. 
but of course the border with between China between uh, the US and Canada is longer if you consider all other segments of that border but um, we are currently demarcating that border it's a long process but we are almost finished with demarcating this border so there is no issue whatsoever regarding the border uh, but uh, we are connected uh, as you rightly pointed out uh, uh, through millions of uh, human ties, uh, um, thousands and thousands of commercial ties. There are more than um, 12,000 uh, companies with Russian participation working in Kazakhstan. They have been working for, for decades in our country. Uh, speaking of human ties, I should mention that there are about uh, 3 million ethnic Russians in uh, uh, Kazakhstan, which is about 15% uh, of the population. By the way, there are 300,000 ethnic Ukrainians who are Kazakh citizens uh, as well. Uh, likewise, there is about a million ethnic Kazakhs living in Russia uh, as Russian citizens. So, um, uh, we are uh, destined to live uh, together with Russia in, uh, in a constructive way. And uh, to answer again your question, we do not feel any threat because uh, we are partners. And uh, there is an open and frank uh, dialogue among neighbors on many, many issues. Of course, as there are uh, tons of issues between neighbors uh, that arise on a daily basis and uh, need to be resolved on a daily basis. So uh, we are also guided by the official statements of the leadership of the Russian Federation and of course uh, in, in these statements um, never have there been any threats or even invectives uh, regarding Kazakhstan. And the next would be a twofold question. Uh, the Western sanctions towards Russia after the war in Ukraine, mm -hmm. how these sanctions uh, have affected Kazakhstan? Mm -hmm. And the second part of the question, of course, and the West has been in talks with Kazakhstan mm -hmm. and other countries in the region about preventing circumvention of mm -hmm. these sanctions. So the sanctions okay. affected you and yeah. the circumvention of the yes, sanctions. Thank you. Um, well, uh, sanctions uh, so far had a very uh, serious effect on our economy, although it's in indirect. What I mean is that uh, now that they are affecting the Russian economy, and Kazakhstan has so many ties to the Russian economy, um, these, these sanctions naturally have a knock-on effect on our economy. Uh, what I mean is that uh, Russia is, for example, our largest importer meaning that we import about 40% of all of our imports from the Russian Federation. And um, as prices have gone up for these commodities in Russia, naturally prices have gone up for these imports. So uh, what uh, happened was that uh, uh, the inflation in, in Kazakhstan has jumped to 21% last year and it stays on at that pretty much the same high level in the first few months of this uh, year. Uh, so uh, this is uh, the highest uh, rate of inflation that we had in 14, 15 years since the 2008, 2009 uh, financial crisis. So um, that is one, one direct uh, effect. Secondly, um, the, um, the sanctions had uh, the effect of uh, disrupting uh, traditional supply routes, supply chains, 
and uh, this has led to again uh, the reorientation of the supply routes and the uh, growth in price for the imports because now these goods, uh, even though, for example, they're coming from Europe, they have to go through much longer uh, routes and uh, that, of course, costs more. So again, this led to the increase in prices for imports uh, from the European Union and other trading partners uh, in the West. So um, Kazakhstan is bracing for, for this impact of uh, the sanctions on Russia because, of course, we are members of the Eurasian Economic Union and uh, there are no customs borders between our two countries. And that, of course, leads me to the answer to your second question about sanctions um, and uh, our positions yes, on this. Um, Kazakhstan has not uh, joined the sanctions regime uh, because we believe sanctions are not the right way to solve international problems, just as we believe that the war is not the right way to solve international uh, differences and op of opinion and, and problems. But um, being a part of the international community, we still do not want uh, our uh, economy to suffer uh, from uh, the sanctions, and that is why we are taking measures to prevent the intended, uh, intentional circumvention of sanctions uh, uh, using our territory. Uh, that is a position that we've made also clear to, to all our partners. And uh, uh, we do not want our companies, our economy to be sanctions, uh, sanctioned uh, in relation to a conflict for which we are not a party. So, uh, again, while we have not imposed the sanctions, we have not joined the sanction regime, still we are taking measures uh, to prevent the use of our territory for the intentional circumvention of sanctions. Uh, now you mentioned uh, Russia being an important economic partner to Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. Still, uh, in terms of overall uh, uh, trade, uh, trade uh, overturn and investments, the EU is the, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as a whole is the largest trading yes. partner mm -hmm. with Kazakhstan. Um, how, how would you assess, assess the relations mm -hmm. with the EU in the current situation? Okay. How do you see the way going forward? Right. Well, uh, the relations uh, with the European Union have uh, been developing very successfully uh, over the past 30 years, and this year we celebrated the 30 years of these diplomatic relations with the European Union. Uh, Kazakhstan is now uh, the uh, one and only country in Central Asia that has signed and ratified uh, the Enhanced Partnership and Cooperation Agreement with the European Union and its member states. What it means is that uh, this agreement is uh, uh, called a second generation agreement. It's a huge document. It covers 29 areas of cooperation and it is in uh, full force since March 2020. Uh, but we, and it's mostly, about, it's mostly about trade, it's mostly a trade agreement, but it also covers, as I said, other areas such as uh, state procurement or cooperation in space, etc., etc., 29 areas of cooperation. But since last year, uh, we have seen uh, a dynamic growth and, and, and branching out of these relations in new, into new areas including uh, rare earth metals, uh, green hydrogen, uh, uh, battery uh, uh, production, 
and um, a gr much, much, much greater focus on transport and, and connectivity. You see, there are, uh, there are two strategies that the European Union has in place for its relations with Central Asia. One is the EU strategy for Central Asia. Uh, the most recent iteration of that was uh, adopted in 2019. But there is also a, an EU strategy for connectivity with Asia. And of course, you cannot develop connectivity with Asia, skipping Central Asia. So these two strategies have been in place even before uh, this conflict in Ukraine began and be before uh, the European Union has come to uh, realize ever so clearly how important for the European Union is uh, the relationship with Kazakhstan and with other countries in Central Asia, which are landlocked countries, uh, but which have been uh, 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 cooperating with the EU and willing to expand this cooperation in new areas. Uh, in the 30 years of our cooperation with the EU, uh, we have scored numerous successes, including the fact that uh, the EU is our largest investor. Uh, the European companies invested $170 billion in uh, FDI in Kazakhstan out of $410 billion that invested uh, in Kazakhstan. There are 6,000 companies with the European participation working in Kazakhstan. But now, um, with this um, uh, strengthened realization in Brussels and in all other European capitals of the importance of uh, cooperating with Kazakhstan, especially in new areas, we see a much, much, much greater focus and a much greater desire uh, in Brussels to develop cooperation with Kazakhstan and other countries in Central Asia. And this desire is mutual. We, we wanted this cooperation uh, for many years. We want this cooperation to strengthen now. We think that uh, the EU can be an even bigger and stronger partner. And there are specific uh, uh, examples of how uh, this cooperation will be developing in the future. For example, if we talk about rare earth metals, uh, uh, well, Kazakhstan is um, mm, Kazakhstan and uh, the European Union signed a, a memorandum of understanding uh, signed by our Prime Minister and uh, European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen last October. On cooperation in rare earth metals, uh, green hydrogen and battery supply chains. Uh, we now have a specific roadmap of how we will be implementing this over the next two years. Uh, and this roadmap uh, identifies actions that need to be taken by government uh, ministries in Kazakhstan, as well as the uh, directorates of the European Commission, but also by private companies. And there are examples about what this uh, means in practice. For example, just earlier this week, uh, on Tuesday, during uh, President Steinmeier's visit to Kazakhstan. Uh, a commercial agreement was signed between a Kazakh company called Kazakh Lithium and a German company HMS Bergbau for the development of uh, not one, not two, not three, but six lithium uh, fields in, in Kazakhstan. And it's a major uh, agreement uh, worth 500 million uh, euros in investment. And there are uh, other smaller agreements that were signed with, the, with Germany. Uh, combining uh, to the uh, sum of 1.7 billion euros uh, in rare earth metals and in, 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 this, in this specific area. Uh, if we talk about uh, green hydrogen, then I should mention 
another huge project that is being now implemented by a German-Swedish company Svevind in the western Kazakhstan on the shores of the Caspian Sea where President Steinmeier uh, uh, went on uh, Wednesday. Um, the project is to build um, uh, a, a huge wind farm and a huge solar farm uh, to produce uh, about 40 gigawatts of electricity by 2030 using this green energy then to produce green hydrogen and green ammonia uh, which is, uh, an, which is a, a top priority for the European Union. Um, to give you an idea, uh, the government of Kazakhstan has allocated 27,000 uh, square kilometers for these wind farms. Um, well, uh, as the German foreign minister compared it, uh, she, she said it's equal in size to the federal land of Brandenburg. Um, but you can count how much uh, this uh, in relation to the uh, territory of Latvia. So there's, yeah, it's about uh, half of Latvia, I would say. Yes, uh, it's not uh, given that this company will use all of this because uh, they may mm -hmm. not need all of this area, but it is allocated. So and they're now choosing the best places for, for the wind farm and for the mm -hmm. solar farm. And, and then they will be using water from the Caspian Sea to produce this mm -hmm. green hydrogen, which for the most part will be exported to Europe. But and then this brings me to the brings me to the third uh, area of our uh, cooperation with the European Union, and that's uh, connectivity and the development of east-west uh, connections. Uh, you see, with the um, uh, disruption uh, that uh, we have unfortunately seen uh, along the so-called northern route, which went from and is still going from China uh, across Kazakhstan, across Russia and Belarus into other countries in Europe, uh, um, but primarily across into Poland and Germany. Uh, there is now a growing realization in our region and in Europe that uh, we also need to develop alternative routes. And one such alternative is the so-called Middle Corridor, formerly known as the Trans-Caspian International Transportation Route. Um, it's Four core countries are Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Georgia, and Turkey. And uh, uh, it has been established as a, as a corridor, as a route in 2012. And uh, there is an association that manages cooperation between uh, the countries that are part of this association. And they stretch from China across Kazakhstan and this other country that I mentioned, but also reaching into uh, Romania and uh, Ukraine. And so there are 20 entities that are part of this association and they manage cooperation, they manage tariffs, they manage the provision of locomotives and rolling stock, etc., etc. But uh, now uh, there is an, an understanding uh, in Brussels, elsewhere in, in Astana, that uh, this route needs to be upgraded. There needs to be a lot of investment that needs to be made to um, remove the so-called bottlenecks that exist along this route because it was not a priority route uh, mm -hmm. for many years and it was as an idea and it was developing but uh, uh, I think that in the next few years you will see 
huge investment and huge development in this field. I will particularly uh, highlight the recent uh, study by the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, uh, commissioned by the European Commission, which uh, identified the so-called central Transcaspian uh, network, uh, traversing through southern Kazakhstan and uh, ending in Aktau on the Caspian Sea as the most sustainable option for the development in connect for, of connectivity in Central Asia. So this study was devoted to the issue of connectivity between Central Asia and the European Union and uh, its full findings will be released before the end of June but already the preliminary finding that they released identify this route as the most sustainable option and, and identify the need to implement more than 20 projects mm -hmm. in uh, not just in Kazakhstan but in Central Asia uh, requiring 18.5 billion euros in investment which will come from various sources but the bottom line is that uh, there is a greater focus a greater commitment uh, from the European Union from the European institutions from the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, from the European Investment Bank. And there is a growing focus and, and, and attention and commitment to develop this route from the governments in, in Central Asia. Mm -hmm. What I will also add, if I may, is that uh, China too is interested in, development, in developing this route, uh, this route in addition to the Northern Route. And uh, there have been agreements reached with the uh, Chinese side for them to support this route uh, just as they supported the northern route through subsidies to their shipping companies and to their producers to use this route as well. So there's uh, lots of um, development expected in terms, if we yes. roll a bit back, yes. uh, in terms of uh, rare earth uh, minerals and uh, and uh, you know the wind farms mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so you expect that's going to be great, lots of developments here. Yes, way. absolutely. And uh, this is also in line with our own vision for our uh, energy mm -hmm. future. Uh, Kazakhstan wants to uh, have 15% uh, uh, of its energy needs covered by 2030 and we want to become carbon neutral by 2060. Mm -hmm. And uh, w so the development of wind farms and solar farms are also a priority for us. and. Uh, in addition to this Svevint uh, project that I mentioned, there is also a project by um, Australian company Fortescue to build a 30 uh, gigawatt mm -hmm. um, wind and solar farm in central Kazakhstan, but already Total Eren, uh, Total Ener, I'm sorry, Total mm -hmm. Energies uh, of France, they develop uh, a wind farm uh, to the tune of one gigawatt in. The Jambil region in the south of Kazakhstan. Uh, there is a, a project by uh, Goldbeck Solar from Germany to produce 100 megawatt of electricity in Karaganda, uh, 200 kilometers south, or kilometers south of Astana. Mm -hmm. So, uh, right now we only get three or four percent of our energy needs from renewables. But as I said, by 2030, that will be 15 percent. Uh, in terms of mining, and you mentioned uh, Caspian Sea water being used for some production, are there any environmental concerns and how are, will they be addressed? Yes, and uh, all of these projects will be done in uh, accordance with the ESG uh, standards. So environment is uh, 
certainly part of the consideration and uh, it will be done in a very responsible uh, environment, environmentally responsible way because again uh, we are very much concerned with the climate change. We are part of the Paris Agreement on climate change. Our president uh, plans to participate in COP28 because we want to be part of the search for solutions. In fact, uh, uh, Kazakhstan hosted the Astana International Forum uh, a few uh, weeks ago. The first such event uh, in, in our country, a sort of a Davos of the steppe. And uh, the environmental issues uh, were uh, very much front and center. It was one of the pillar of discussions of that forum. Uh, Roman Vasilenko, uh, Deputy uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs uh, of Kazakhstan, Rahmet. Thank you. Thank you.